Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. You can add another Rams offensive starter who will not play this week, at least according to reports. Though for myself and MJ, it's not who is or isn't playing for that offense, but who will be on the field defensively. That's where our focus is ahead of Week 17. But first, Kyler Murray, what he did, and more importantly, what he said about his availability on Sunday. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 381, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Well, as they like to say, MJ, a video has gone viral. At last check, almost 17,000 views, courtesy at Cards Chatter, otherwise known as Darren Urban of azcardinals.com, because he has video of Kyler Murray practicing during the open portion earlier today, which, one, is good to see, and two, leaves everyone, I think, feeling much, much better here on a Wednesday heading into Week 17 as opposed to Sunday night, Monday, at any point on Tuesday when you haven't seen or heard from the Cardinals quarterback. Yeah, and I think it's also important to where, you know, they – could have waited and list him. They could list him limited, um, but the way he was moving, looking at Darren's uh, video, looked like he was fine. And it's, you know, he could play gamesmanship, but, you know, I think we would have known something over the last 24 to 4 hours, maybe from a national perspective or things get leaked out. But, you know, it was funny over the last two days is, you know, Bryce Perkins possibly against Chris Strebler. And, you know, again, I think the focus should be on, Cardinals offense against that Rams defense, but I understand it's a storyline. And, you know, when you look at the Rams situation, no Cooper cup, I guess we'll find out more if he's officially out, but he, he is in code, uh, code of protocol and looks like, you know, between tracing five days and being out for 10 days, that would put him out um, the running back situation. And then obviously their young quarterback who's yet to take an NFL snap in a real game, but, you know, I get it. Their storylines, and we're always looking for that next guy. And you know, so that makes sense. But really, it's really about this Cardinals offense. And if you're only going to score 20, uh, 12 points, it's not going to be enough. Now they did score 28 on them the first time, but they gave up 38 points. Yeah, and you certainly want your number one quarterback on the field against this Rams defense. For those that might not have seen the video as of yet, it's a short clip. Uh, Murray circling a tackling dummy and then throwing into a net and, of course, throwing a perfect spiral into the middle hole. Murray's only going about, I'd say, less than half speed. So it's it's not much, but it is a glimpse. And, of course, once again, good to see on a Wednesday. Of course, even better to hear from Murray himself. Wednesdays, he does speak to the media. We did not hear him post game on Saturday. And according to Murray, quote, yeah, I'll be playing, end quote, on Sunday. So that, again, good to see and good to hear. How about one of our, uh, um, one of the reporters um, asked him a follow-up question about, um, I just want to clarify, are you playing on Sunday? And, he, he, and Kyler knows too well. He's like, 
you want to tweet that out that I'm going to play? Yeah, I'm playing. <laughs> He's learning, Craig. He's learning, man. You're too and already a veteran when it comes to <laughs> dealing with the media. And he already if, said he was playing. If we're, but, hey, you need clarification, you know, especially if you're one of the big networks like ESPN. I get it. Lower leg injury is all we know. And according to Murray, he was hit in the right spot. That's the only thing Murray would explain on that Alex Barrett hit on the final pass attempt, his final pass attempt on Saturday. And again, we it didn't look like much, and it could have been a heck of a lot worse. And I think Barrett kind of leaned back a little bit, let up, I guess is the better way to phrase it, once Murray let that football go. And maybe in the course of the contacts or when Murray landed, he just got up gingerly, walked off, and into the locker room. So I think he'll be fine. He said as much. And I'm not worried about it one bit. Well, I'm just glad. Whether limited, he was out there. We got video. You know, they say a picture says a thousand words. Um, but, Craig, I'm glad it's not a knee because not to get severe here and speculate, but an MCL injury is very painful. And it's where you have to really grab the outside of your leg just to kind of put pressure on it. It feels better. I know Larry was dealing with that. It's probably the only time he's missed games in the in the past um, when they say lower, that's, you know, again, speculating it could be a shin, it could be the calf. Um, but uh, obviously the fact that he was out there and again, um, stack, you know, good practices. We know this team knows what's at stake. Uh, they know if they don't win, they go home, season's over. So I like what I'm hearing, but I, we got to see it on Sunday. Well, what we did not see during the open portion of practice earlier today, Chase Edmonds, Max Williams, not spotted. Edmonds has a hip, Williams, and ankle. And if you do not have a Chase Edmonds on the field, that certainly factors into the Cardinals' offense as far as the one-two punch with him and Kenyon Drake on the ground game. Good news, though, Jalen Thompson, Drake Kirkpatrick were seen practicing. We have not seen Thompson in a game since week 11. He's missed five straight Sundays. And then Kirkpatrick was active on Saturday, MJ, but did not play. He basically stood next to Vance Joseph the entire game on the sidelines wearing a beanie, so it must have been more of a in-case-of-an-emergency situation in which he was going to be on that field. And perhaps there was a thinking that maybe they didn't need him against the 49ers. Obviously, they did, and they are certainly going to need him this week. Well, you know, with Kevin Peterson, he also plays on special teams. So, you know, I do – I don't, know, I don't know about taking any opponent lightly. I think it's he's been dealing with an injury and he was going to be an insurance. And, you know, instead of playing 65 snaps, maybe he comes in the third or fourth quarter and he plays half of that. So, and, he, and he's a veteran guy. He knows the defense. So, that, you know, you get the communication down there. But, you know, I like Chris Banjo, but he is a backup. And, you know, the, both of the Thompson guys haven't been able to stay healthy, but we know Jalen's got a much uh, – uh, bigger upside than Deontay at this point in time. I think there's room for both of them, um, but just getting him back in the lineup. And again, if, if they alternate rotate, um, I think it will help the defense because those are, those are day one starters. Unfortunately, you just haven't been able to see them as much as I think the Cardinals prefer. And I'm sure they prefer. Well, Kevin Peterson got a nice run. Deontay Thompson as well, who was in on a couple of tackles. So perhaps he's taking that next step because he was, kind of behind Jalen when you were talking about the Thompson twins. It's just Jalen hasn't been able to stay healthy, but he is that one player in that safety room that Vance Joseph always points to as far as being a great tackler next to Buda Baker. And you would love to have both of those players here in week 17. 
Of course, it is a huge matchup. Win or go home, as we've been talking about here on Cardinals Cover 2. Yeah, and, and, and the fact is that, you know, we'll have to wait and see how much these guys are doing in practice based on the injury report, but you bring up a good point. And we're going to get into how this Cardinals offense can attack this really good Rams defense, pretty much ranked in the top five across the board. Maybe we go back to the Philadelphia game where their front seven, even though they didn't have their uh, specialties in the second end. Um, but, you know, Kenyon Drake's got to carry the load if that's the case. But we'll wait and see because I do think Chase Edmonds, they missed him in the last game. He didn't play in the second half. We know how much more he's involved in the passing game. Um, I think he's one of the top three or four targets after Hop and Larry. And, you know, I think he's in there with Darren Arnold when it comes to touches and targets. And, and now you're just going to have to see, you know, Kyler doesn't seem like he's going to be limited. Um, otherwise, they would make adjustments. So, and then we, we'll see about DJ Foster and Jonathan Ward. I still don't think Eno, I don't know if you can bring Eno up at week 17. Um, and, you know, what we're going to get into is, you know, if they can't run the football, when I say can't, if you're not going to run for 150, you're going to have to throw it. And we know they're secondary. They don't get enough credit because everything starts up front with Aaron Donald and Brockers. And then you throw in um, Leonard Floyd, who has been a really good pickup. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, they're going to have, you have to try to run the football. Um, and we could see Cardinals play a little bit more 12 personnel. If, you know, if Max Williams is, is healthy or, Darrell Daniels is getting more time. And then you got Dan Arnold, who's kind of a, you know, a guy that can do a little bit of both. We could see them try to win at the line of scrimmage. So we'll get into that, some of the details. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me, as we pointed out, the entire season, the run sets up the pass. Even though Cliff said they'll throw it 40 times, they'll run it 40 times. And if they're running it 40 times, that's really good because you're winning and you're winning at the line of scrimmage. And that means you can run the clock out if that happens to be the case in the fourth quarter. A Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You mentioned Murray and the fact that, you know, if he's limited in any way whatsoever. I went back and just looked at the numbers from last year, week 17 at the Rams. Murray then dealing with a hamstring injury, and he was a pocket passer that entire game. Threw for 325 yards, two touchdowns, was intercepted twice had no rushing yards. He was basically stationary, and the Rams knew it immediately and adjusted accordingly. But the fact that he was able to throw 325 yards, I think, is a good sign because we have seen it. Now, of course, it's a different Rams defense in 2019 versus 2020. You look back at the earlier meeting in Week 13, and Murray could not do anything. The, the Cardinals offense really couldn't do anything, especially in that first half. Murray only had 173 passing yards, did have three touchdowns, but turned the ball over twice in the fourth quarter, was intercepted, and then lost a fumble. Maybe if he doesn't have those two turnovers, it's a different story as opposed to a 38-28 setback. Yeah, and, you know, you want the ball in Kyler Murray's hands if you're trying to come from behind. We know NFL games are usually a score, whether it's seven points or a field goal, you're down by four, so you need a touchdown. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, that's back-to-back -back weeks where he's throwing an interception in the end zone, correct? Correct. And, yes, the red zone turnovers have been huge, three in the past two weeks, if you include DeAndre Hopkins' fumble as well. That's got to get better. I mean, again, you're, you're trailing and you're trying to get a score, maybe get an onside kick. 
there's two things that, and I'll focus more on the off season is uh, the red zone passing. We know this team is, is setting records, running the football in the red zone. A lot of it comes from Kenyon Drake and Kyler Murray. And sometimes, you know, um, they'll use a, maybe a jet sweep or a bubble screen to get in there. But two things that I think he has to work on is, is when you're in that fourth quarter, you can't afford those mistakes, throwing off your back foot, kind of floating the ball a little bit versus putting a more a little bit more velocity in. I'm surprised that he doesn't throw on the run better than he has. You see other quarterbacks, and it's not like he has to stop. It's it's his motion going out there. He's got the arm strength. He's got the accuracy. He's got the ability to you know, um, you know. Usually you go through one two possessions. You look for your check down, and then you improvise. But I want to see him become better on the run because I think, uh, like the Chiefs, like maybe the Browns, and we're talking about good receivers there, and maybe the Ravens, maybe not the more tight ends, is th- these guys, they they get separation. And when you've got a guy that can hold the ball four, five, six seconds, receivers usually come back to the ball. Maybe Tyreek Hill will go over the top. So that's one thing I want him to work on. And it's gonna, not going to happen overnight. It's something in the offseason because I haven't seen enough of him throwing on the run. We know he can roll out to the left side, and that's a tough throw for a right-handed quarterback across his body. We know he can throw from the hash mark across the body on an out route to hop. I just want to see in, in some in a lot of quarterbacks roll out to their right because they're more comfortable. We see Aaron Rodgers make a living on that stuff, like Patrick Mahomes, a little bit different arm angle, and I think Murray can do that. So it's not going to happen overnight, but that's something I thought we would see more of, him throwing on the run, considering they got receivers that can come back to the ball, good possession receivers, and and Larry Fitzgerald hop. And and that put Christian Kirk in there for the most part. And those are higher percentage throws, especially without traffic in front of you, unless you catch the defense and they read it well, and then all of a sudden you've got a couple of hands in your face. But those rollouts are designed to give the quarterback better vision down the field and certainly a better area to throw the football at. And that, I think, is we've seen a little bit more of. We've been asking for more of that from Kyler Murray. The other thing is is stepping up in the pocket as opposed to drifting back. We're all impressed on how well he throws off his back foot. But unless you're getting pressured, that's not a good throw to make because you have to adjust and put more strength, more air under the football. And it looks great when it connects. But nine times out of ten, you're going to throw the ball short and get intercepted or it's going to miss your target as the wide receiver. So step up in the pocket. That's also predicated on the offensive line, forming that pocket for Murray to step into. Yeah. And that's three things we should look for next year. More stepping up. pocket. He's done a better job as of late when they kind of uh, tweak their offense a little bit. Uh, again, a first uh, quarter interception in the end zone. That means you were able to drive down the field, a fourth quarter interception when you're either trying to get the lead or tie the game, that's going to improve. And then throwing on the run. The, the thing about, um, you know, the Cardinals this year, we watched Teddy Bridgewater. We watched Josh Allen. We've watched Jalen Hurts. We watched C.J. Beathard. We watched Jared Goff all rolling out, bootlegs, waggle plays. And if you notice, Craig, you cut the field in half and a guy rolls with you. And the Cardinals have tried it with Christian Kirk a few times, uh, whether you're in the red zone or 40 to 40, which sometimes is coming off a turnover you take a shot down the field because you're playing for field position and not a score but when you roll out you've got a couple options you could throw your first guy or your second guy in other words short middle and 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 again it's just like almost an extended run play if it's a five or six yard pass so 
they've they've run that part of their offense, but they've had a hard time defending it. And I think we're going to see that um, from John Wolfler on, on Sunday because that's their offense. He's ran that offense before. And he's a lot more athletic, more mobile than a Jared Goff talking about John Wolfer. That's the one thing that I've read. I haven't watched any tape. There's hardly any tape out there unless you're going back to his AAF days or preseason 2019 or Wake Forest. But he does have great numbers in those particular settings. We just haven't seen him in the ultimate setting, and that is the National Football League. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, no Running back, as far as Daryl Henderson is concerned, he's on IR. You don't know about Cam Akers. It certainly seems like it's unlikely that he'll be available. And then Cooper Cup, your leading receiver, he's on the reserve COVID-19 list, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be available this week. So you're without your starting quarterback, your leading rusher, and your leading receiver, yet I'm still somewhat hesitant because of what Sean McVay is capable of doing and has shown specifically against the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think their offense is going to change. I really don't. And, and there were times that Sean McVay was frustrated with Jared Goff. I mean, um, he didn't play particularly well. Now, maybe as a team, they didn't play particularly well because they only scored nine points. But, you know, Seattle's playing much better. But Seattle only scored 13 on them. It wasn't like they put up 25. And Seattle's got, you know, DK Metcalf and the one-two punch with uh, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny and Tyler Lockett and, um, you know, their tight ends. But I mean, again, it's it's. I don't think their offense is going to change, and I, I agree with you. I've watched some film now. Funny thing is, he actually started to apply uh, to go to to Wall Street, and then the uh, uh, hot shots called, and so he hasn't gone back to school or anything like. But that he was that close to hanging it up. There, there is some preseason film out there of him. Um, again, I I think they're going to run the same offense, and, and as I mentioned on Monday, possibly that. There's a reason why Sean McVay chose him over Blake Bortles. Now Bortles, you know, he's probably going to be on the uh, 53-man roster because they poached him. I don't know if that's official, but Bryce Perkins. He's been signed to the practice squad. Okay, Bryce Pe- Perkins. But they they felt – and, and you know, you look at some teams like the Seahawks, you know, who's their backup quarterback, you know? Um, the Niners, we know who those guys are because they played a lot, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard, and we know the Cardinals are going with Strebler. So it's interesting how – they really never felt the value of bringing in a veteran quarterback. And they must, they made a decision going into the season. They were comfortable with him. Now, I don't, you know, Sean was asked about him in August and he said, you know, we, we hope we're not in that situation, but he's been in our system. So we think he can run our offense. And I think that's their, 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 uh, their point of nothing's really going to change. Now, obviously the Cardinals are going to have to approach it a little bit different on the defensive side. All right, let's get back to the Cardinals offense and Kyler Murray as he was asked earlier today about his leg injury and how that might affect him at all. And he said, quote, there is no holding back. If we lose, I'm home chilling. I'm fine, end quote. So it certainly sounds like, as we heard from Justin Pugh earlier in the week, all hands on deck, everyone is available, and no one is 100% healthy at this point in a season but it certainly sounds like we are going to see Kyler Murray with the ability to throw and run. He did not have that in week 17 a year ago. And the fact that he did have 75 rushing yards against the 49ers is great, but it can't all be from the quarterback. It has to be a combination of Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, DJ Foster, whomever, because if you want to have somewhat 
of a, a balanced offense, you can't have the quarterback throwing for 300 yards and running for 100 yards. That's great. It's going to happen once a season, perhaps. You need that balance with a running back handling the running game. And I don't think we've seen that over the last couple of weeks with Kenyon Drake, whether that's him, the offensive line, or credit to the opposing defense. I think it's a combination. But well, let's start with the Cardinals because they control the tempo um, when they're on the field. And, you know, it's about winning one-on-one matchups. And we got a chance to listen to Justin Pugh and DJ Humphreys. And it, it, listen, they need to run the football because, you know, last week I think he had a 30-yard run, Murray. Yes. Okay, so I'll, I'll take those because those could be backbreakers, especially if it's a third down play. Now, you don't want to be behind the sticks too far. You want to be unmanageable. But, you know, I, I could take that. But the, the offensive line is going to have to win uh, at the line of scrimmage, and that's going to be a chore. I mean, they're going against a really good front. I compare them to maybe the Eagles' most recent game. Um, and that's why I think we may see a little bit of two tight ends. But uh, I think the play action, the, the p- pistol, the zone read, I think you're going to have to pull out all the all, all the things we've seen this year. Um, and then you're going to have to help, hope that Hopkins can get open. And if he's being covered by Ramsey, um, then somebody else is going to have to do it. But I just don't know if they can line up and run the football every single down and, and expect to have success where you got to pick up three or four first downs. I mean, you look at the uh, Rams and they're holding oppo- opposing rushing yards, 94.1 which is third in the NFL. Now passing, they're giving up about 253, which is tied for 12. As for the Cardinals, they're giving up 127 yards per se, 20, 23rd, and they're giving up 250 yards in the passing game, or opposing 227, which is ranked 10th. So, I mean, something's got to give here, Craig. Well, and I think it starts with, Kenyon Drake, you don't need him to hit 100 yards, but you do need to have him be effective, and he hasn't been the past two weeks. Yeah, the Cardinals did have 120 yards against the 49ers, but Drake only had 45 yards. The week earlier against the Eagles, 26 yards. He needs to get to that 65, 70, 75-yard mark for this offense to really be humming and moving the ball up and down the field, converting on third down, moving the chains and getting into the red zone. I hate to put it all on one player. Well, yes, it falls on Kyler Murray first and foremost, but Kenyon Drake, I think, ultimately is the key to how well this offense performs on Sunday and hopefully going into the postseason. If the Rams take Kenyon Drake away, it is certainly going to make it much more difficult for Kyler Murray to do it by himself. Is he capable? Absolutely. But that is a lot to put on any quarterback, whomever you want to throw out there, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you have to get some help. And I don't think Murray has had a lot of help in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, if you say 18 for 45, that tells me that's 2.5 yards of carry. Correct. All right. Now we know he's been better in the second half of the season. He does get better as the game goes on, but um, if they're, if they're behind the sticks or third and eight plus, they're going to, they're going to pin their ears back. And they, they can get pressure with four and drop seven in the covers, and that's going to make you throw into tight windows. I'm not saying he can't do it, but how much are Cardinal wide receivers getting separation besides Hopkins? So those are all factors. But, yeah, even, a, you know, like I said, I love those 30-yard runs. I like when he takes off and get a first down. He puts the arm out, gets out of bounds. 
but to sit here and say he's got to have 75 yards, I, I just don't think that's the game plan going in. Anything he gives you is a plus. But Kenyon Drake's going to have to be this bell cow. And he's, you know, they paid him a good amount of money this year. And, you know, uh, running backs, you, you wonder about, you know, everyone said they're going to run him in the ground. Well, with the one-two punch with Chase, you were able to kind of preserve him a little bit. And he's had some good games. But this is the time, this is the reason why they made the trade for him last year. He came in here and did a really nice job. He's got a ton of touchdowns. Um, since he's been with the Cardinals, I think he's a couple yards short from a thousand yards. He's already over all purpose yards. So this, they need a big game out of him. And again, if you start talking about five-star players, not guys that just go to the pro bowl or their team captains, he's a starter and they need more from him. But in fairness to that, they need more from the offensive line. Six times this season, including each of the past two weeks, Drake has finished with less than 50 yards and the Cardinals are just two and four in those games. And to your point about that magical 1,000-yard mark, which Kenyon Drake would love to hit, he needs 81 yards this Sunday. Is it doable? Sure, but that is certainly tough sledding against a top-five rushing defense in the Los Angeles Rams. Well, we know it started in week one last year. If the Cardinals can find some sync and rhythm in the early on, they go with that up-tempo offense. You know, you get to the fourth quarter, the guys start having their hands on the hips. Now, again, if he gets three or four yards, three or four yards, and he pops one for 10, all of a sudden now they're going to, they may drop a, an extra guy in the box. And I got to think they're going to put a, a spy on Murray just to keep him in the pocket. Um, but we need to see that second level runs and that's based on the offensive line winning at the point of attack and then getting out there, having a guy like Pugh or Humphrey pulling. And I, you know how I feel about Murray. He's very athletic, Justin Murray. And I think Kelvin Beeson has been a nice addition there. They got to get more out of Mason Cole. We'll, so, we'll see about Lamont Gilliard, um, what his availability is because he is uh, eligible to play. And we know that Cole's struggle with his false star penalties, but he does have a lot of experience. I do think, uh, Lamont is probably a little bit more athletic and a little bit stronger. I'm glad you brought him up. It was an item that I wanted to discuss this week, and it's because of what Mason Cole has done the past two weeks as far as the false start penalties. Now, I think the Cardinals need some clarification on exactly what Cole is doing because the two that he got whistled for on Saturday, one, I certainly could see him move the football the other one, I have no idea what he did. So maybe that's more of something they get clarification. It's like, okay, you haven't really had four the past two weeks. It's only been two. Still, that's too, too many when you are the center and you are in control. Nothing can happen offensively until you hike the football. So there should never be a case in which the center has a false start. Sometimes it happens because maybe you get a little overamped or excited and you move that ball a little bit. But Lamont Gilliard has played this season. There has been a rotation at center a couple of different times this season where we see Mason Cole start, but then Gilliard come in for a series or two. And we've heard the offensive linemen say, yes, we've got a rotation. We've got depth on the offensive line. We feel like we have seven, eight starters, and this keeps everyone fresh. There's a part of me that just doesn't buy that because – that's not a position historically. Maybe things are changing, MJ. I don't know. You don't rotate offensive linemen because they work together as a unit. They're not a bunch of individuals. They form a team, and you remove one of those pieces, none more important than the center. Then all of a sudden, it's a different voice. It's a different snap to the quarterback, 
and maybe a different spin. How quickly is it getting back there on a shotgun snap? So I don't know why this is happening. I, I, I know what they're telling us. I just not have a hard time buying it. And it is going to be interesting to see who is the starting center this week if the team is concerned about those false start penalties because instead of first and 10, you're at first and 15 or a third and three becomes a third and eight. And all of a sudden you're playing behind the sticks and that's never good. I got the impression because each team can send uh, basically plays that they, they have questions and sometimes the explanation will answer the question, but I get the impression on the four, they may have sent it on, on call that maybe two came back that maybe that wasn't the right call. So half of them, but we, you know, um, the thing is, though, you know, you know, in the delay game penalties and sometimes you got to burn a timeout because you don't want to take that penalty. It's just, you know, and it's not like they're shuffling uh, different personnel once they go with the hurry up for the most part. So what I'm thinking, Craig, is they're, they're going with a platoon system. You know, maybe they think Sweezy's better than the run game. And, you know, so but you can't it's not like you're going to say we're going to run the ball when Sweezy's out. What I'm saying is. I think some of these guys are wearing down a little bit at this point in the year and also age. And you got some young guys like Gilliard, Gilliard, and then Cole's young. Um, you know, obviously Murray's young, Hump's young. But, you know, like uh, the other day, uh, Brian Flores talked about, you know, Tua. You know, why is he taking him out? He said, well, it's like a closer. I got, I, if I'm going to go get my closer in, in the ninth inning, I'm getting Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, I'm not saying, but I do think it'd be interesting if this team can get a lead and what the line looks like in the fourth quarter, because then I can see why they're going with the platoon system. But I do think at this point in the year, and again, I trust Sean Coogler. I mean, nobody's playing without Sean Coogler. Um, and, and he has the respect of those players and the trust. So, you know, um, we, we got a chance to talk to Joe Judge early in the season, and we know the Giants were, were on a four-game winning streak. And he said, we're doing it because we're trying to get guys better for the future. Now, that's totally different. They drafted Andrew Thomas in the first round. He struggled in that game. So they're they're trying to win games, but also they're trying to develop players. The Cardinals, they've developed these players. They're trying to win games now. But I trust Sean Coogler in this scenario. There's got to be a rhyme and reason. Maybe we just haven't heard it. But I do think players are starting to wear down a little bit, and they're trying to get the best five out there. And if it means playing seven players, so be it. Well, maybe the Cardinals and Sean Kugler did have the future in mind because as I look back, Gilliard did play week 13 and start a few drives against the Rams, including in the fourth quarter when the Cardinals were trying to make that comeback and pulled to within 10, but just couldn't kind of get over that last hump. And you look at what this Cardinals team is now up against here in week 17, Rams defense hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot as far as the numbers are concerned. They are still very good. In fact, according to their game notes, the Rams rank in the top 10 in nine different defensive categories, seven in the top five, including total yards per game, passing yards per game, sacks, rushing yards per game, points allowed, third down percentage, and passing percentage. This Cardinals offense is coming off a 12-point performance after they had hit that 30-point mark on a pretty consistent basis. Uh, and I don't think you're going to need 30 points this week, 
but you do maybe need to get 2025. And this Cardinals team has scored against the Rams in the past two games, including that 28 points in week 13. So they have shown they can score. I just don't know if you don't have a Chase Edmonds out there, how that might affect things. And if Kyler Murray is limited in any way. Now he says he won't be, I believe him, but I think we're all waiting to see exactly what transpires on the field on Sunday. Yeah. Let's talk about Aaron Donald for a second, because we got a chance to talk to Hump today. DJ. By the way, any, any chance we can get Aaron Donald and and Jalen Ramsey to, to miss this game as well. I mean, if the, if the Rams are so quote unquote concerned about the Cardinals that Jared Goff is going to have thumb surgery and we don't need Cooper cup and Hey, let's put Daryl Henderson on IR. You know, why not just go full tank mode and, and sit your two best defensive players because apparently they're confident that the Rams, or excuse me, that the Bears are going to lose to the Packers. So they're going to get in the playoffs regardless. Help the Cardinals out in the NFC West to get three teams from the NFC West in the play- playoffs. Craig, I mean, I mean the catch- Cardinals are catching them at a good time. I mean, we could have said the same thing last week against the Niners. On to, on to Los Angeles, Craig, on to <laughs> Los Angeles. But, yeah, I mean, listen, the reason why they're – in this position is because of their defense. Now we'll give the credit to the offense, but you know, we got a chance to talk to DJ Humphreys and uh, we'll talk about the awards uh, between him and uh, DeAndre Hopkins at the end of the show. And I asked him, you know, Wade Phillips, longtime NFL assistant was 70 years old. I think he still wants to get back in. And when you're 70, you're kind of setting your ways and they've had a really good defense, but now they got Brandon Staley. He's only 36 years old. He actually comes from the coaching tree of Vic Fangio. He was outside linebackers coach with the Broncos last year. They they got good uh, intel on him. And uh, and then I think he was brought over. Maybe he was there a year because Fangio is going into his third year next year. And so Wade's kind of set in his ways, play the same defense. You know, you're going to have to double, uh, you're going to have to double team Arnold, Donald, excuse me. Here they're moving them around. And you pointed out to me before the show that there was a game, this previous game that, Donald did get a sack on Humphreys. So they're moving him around. And then you got Leonard Floyd, who, you know, was a high draft pick. I always thought he was like Javon Curse, just long arms and lean and, you know, and he's doing well. And then you got Michael Brockers, who was going to go to Baltimore, and he failed the physical, and they decided to bring him back and Jalen Ramsey. So, but I want to go through what kind of career uh, Donald's had compared to Chandler Jones, because it's pretty uh, amazing. When you look at both of their numbers, uh, Chandler Jones was drafted in 2012. Obviously, he only played in a, a one game this year. Was it one game or two games? He got hurt at the Jets. Okay, so that would have been somewhere. But, you know, he only had one sack, so his numbers are going to be down. You look at Aaron Donald, he, he was drafted 13th overall in 2014. And you just start looking at it. So quickly here, we're not getting too uh, into the weeds with numbers. Start or games for Donald 109, Jones 124, sacks 85.5, Jones 97, tackle for losses, Darnold 129, Jones 107, quarterback hits 169 to 129. What I'm getting at is since 2014, Aaron Donald has the most sacks in the NFL. Now Chandler has 97, but we're talking about two years prior. So we, we look at Chandler Jones as one of the best pass rushers in the league since he's been with the Cardinals. Look at what Aaron Donald's done from an interior spot, but now they're moving him around. So to me, that's going to be the biggest matchup. You're not going to stop him. 
He's got he's got crazy numbers against the Cardinals throughout his career. Talking tackle for losses, quarterback hits, sacks. I think he's averaging a sack and a half a game against the Cardinals. So no surprise here. I think the biggest matchup is the Cardinals offense against that Rams defense. Donald, a team best 13 and a half sacks with one of those coming against DJ Humphreys. As you mentioned, that came on the Cardinals second series of that game in week 13. And yeah, it was all, it was kind of weird to see Donald line up as a defensive end because you're typically seeing him over the center or over on the, the guard in those gaps, as opposed to rushing from the outside, but he is so quick off the line of scrimmage that, yeah, if you move him around, then all of a sudden every one of the offensive linemen gets a piece or a crack and an Aaron Donald, and it's not easy. Humphreys admitted after that game in week 13 that, yeah, he just he, he took a wrong step and Donald was able to get past him. It wasn't like he was surprised that Donald was lined up in front of him. Everyone knows who Aaron Donald is, yet you have to account for where he is on that defensive line. Now, if all of a sudden he starts standing up, <laughs> and is no longer in a three-point stance, and they add that to his game, and the passes defense become a new statistic for Aaron Donald. I mean, this man can do everything, and I think he is our generation's Lawrence Taylor as far as being that disruptive for an opposing offense and being the one defensive guy that everyone across the board is concerned about and needs to know where he is every single snap. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of John Randall. Now, not, not the talking, because Randall would try to get into your head, and, you know, he had the face paint on. And I, I really like the way he played the game. And they're very similar size-wise. They're, they're not 6'2", 6'3". They're like six feet, but they're wide and they're strong. And when you look at Aaron Donald, just watch him. Watch his explosion off the ball and his quickness to, to split a, a double team. So that's where he's made his hay, going against a guard and center. And sometimes you try to, you know, um, double team him and you're hoping that the first guy can make contact and the other guy can come in and just try to hold him up for a couple seconds, but he's able to split a double team because of the explosion. And they, what they say is that you get skinny in the hole and he gets skinny in the hole and he's able to tackle for losses, quarterback hits. And then the last thing you want him to do is hit Kyler Murray in his thigh because you're going to feel that. And he's got Michael Brockers next to him. He's got five sacks and you brought up Leonard Foley He's got nine and a half sacks. He dropped Russell Wilson last week three times this season. And, of course, you look at the secondary and everyone points to Jalen Ramsey. We had expect that Ramsey-Hopkins matchup, which we saw once before this season, although Ramsey does move around. He wasn't always on Hopkins. But that Rams secondary did do a good job of Hopkins, who was targeted 11 times in the second half. It was a late adjustment, if you will. They started to go into a hurry up in a two-minute offense early in that second half to try to get the offense going. But Hopkins had eight catches for 52 yards. You would think that eight catches would amount to more than 52 yards. And it's the same thing we saw last week against that 49ers defense. Hopkins is catching the ball, and then he's tackled immediately for a short gain or no gain. Hopkins needs to be able to get those yards after catch. And whether that is Kyler Murray leading him or that is Hopkins making another defender miss, but not enough yards after the catch for Hopkins or any of these Cardinal wide receivers. Well, go back to last week, 80 plays, average per play, 4.4. That's not good. That's not going to do it. And then you talk about Kyler throwing, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, three touchdowns, only a hundred and some odd yards. Well, you know, 
their average per play is, is low and that's got to get a lot better. I'm not, you know, you'd like to see Kyler's average per play on a passing route somewhere between six, five and seven, five, you know, the, the good ones are maybe seven, seven, five, you're not going to go nine or 10, but the average per play from scrimmage has to be better than four, four. When you run 80 plays, you should have 500 yards. I'll be much more confident if this Cardinals offense can get to that 20, 25 point mark against this Rams defense that is allowing just under 20 points a contest. They are third in the league in scoring defense. And I think, as you've been talking about it, it is not going to be a lot of points scored in this game. One, because the Rams don't have much offensively. And two, their defense can win ball games as they've shown this season with Jared Goff, a turnover machine, yet the Rams were still winning. This very easily could be a 3-0, 9-6, 10-7 ball game because they're not going to ask John Walford to do a whole heck of a lot. Get into field goal range. We can kick field goals, maybe get one touchdown because that Rams defense is stingy. And yes, I know they lost the Jets, but that was one of those cases to where I think we saw last week when the Cardinals placed the 49ers their heads weren't in that game and they got embarrassed. They're not going to get embarrassed talking about that Rams defense again. And as you pointed out on uh, uh, the Red Sea report on Tuesday afternoon, this is the first time that Sean McVay's lost two in a row this season. Now he's lost three in a row in his career, but this is the first time, um, you know, when it comes to turnover ratio, Cardinals are minus one, they're ranked 19th. Uh, the Rams are minus two, they're ranked 20th. Now, a defensive touchdown for the Rams would go a long way. Special teams as well could play a factor in this and, contest. And the same for the Cardinals. You get a, you get a, you get a defensive uh, turnover, and like, hopefully it's a pick six, or you know, like Marcus Golden and Hassan Reddick have done, you know, get a forced fumble, give your offense uh, you know, at the 20, and you got to punch it in. So it's not like you know, they're forcing a lot of turnovers. They just don't make a lot of mistakes. They get you off on third down. Um, they're well coached, and, and so it's going to come down to the little things. Field position, uh, limit your turnovers. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, but when you get in the red zone, you're going to have to score touchdowns, and, you know, third down is always an issue. Red zone uh, offense and defense is always going to be a, a key in any football game, let alone a game you have to win to get into the postseason. Bird Gang, if you haven't done so already, we invite you to update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Before we close up shop here on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as referenced by Mike Jarecki earlier in the show, the Arizona Cardinals were awarded, or I should say the Arizona chapter of the Pro Football Writers of America awarded DeAndre Hopkins and DJ Humphreys some awards and some pretty important awards. Hopkins named the Lloyd Herberg MVP and Humphreys the Steve Schoenfeld Good Guy Award. Obviously, MVP, we know that is for outstanding performance and the Good Guy Award for the cooperation and insight in dealing with the media. So two players well-deserved, but it's the meaning behind the awards Herberg and Schoenfeld, both longtime beat writers in the NFL and the Arizona Cardinals. And that is a way to honor their memory, their legacy. And I think we heard from Humphreys earlier, very appreciative of understanding what our role is in covering the NFL. And then, of course, players' roles as well. 
Yeah, the MVP award is named after Lloyd Herberg, a former Cardinals beat writer for the Arizona Republic. Herberg covered the Cardinals from 1988 uh, when the team moved here until his death, May of 1994. He fought a courageous battle with cancer. He actually was covering the draft um, while dealing with cancer and, and uh, ended up passing away a few weeks later. Um, Well-respected. Um, you know, he, he was one of the originals, you know, Tim Tires and Bob Jacobson and, you know, Steve Schoenfeld when, they, when this team moved here, Lee Chappell. And then as for the Good Guy Award, it's named after uh, former Arizona Republic Steve Schoenfeld. He covered the Cardinals in the NFL from the Republic 1988 to 2000. Again, when the Cardinals moved here, a former national president of the Pro Football Writers Association, he was hit, killed in, by a hit and run driver in October of 2000. And just to let everyone know, when it comes to Shoney, he was my mentor. Um, so the reason why I'm sitting here today is because of guys like Steve Schoenfeld and also Kent Summers. When Shoney passed away, Kent kind of took me under his wing. So I'm really grateful to both of those guys and Lord Herbert. Shoney was one of the first people that when I first arrived here in 2000, I was introduced to. And he was one of those people that made everyone feel welcome. And I've heard it before, and I'll say it again, that in this day of social media and Twitter, you would wonder how Steve Schoenfeld would do in this day and age, because he was always on the telephone very early in the morning, very late at night, and that was how people communicated. But via social media, I can only imagine what he would be able to do. Great at his job, but an even better person for the short amount of time that I was uh, around him when I first arrived here in Arizona. But uh, again, great job, uh, the Arizona Cardinals and the Football Writers of America as far as honoring two very important people when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals and their place in the Valley and in the state of Arizona. And of course, the Arizona Republic and covering the Cardinals arrival. Yeah, and you know, hopefully we'll get, be able to get back into the media room think Zoom may be here forever. We'll just have to wait and see. But there are plaques, and this has been going on for a long time. Um, just quickly here on Shoney, um, he was the pollinator. Like, uh, let me tell you a story real quick. So he gets a job with CBS Sports working with uh, Len Pasquarelli, who was really one of the original uh, NFL insiders with John Clayton. And they give him a cell phone. And his first bill is like $800. And so Shoney calls me and he says, I thought when I call you, it doesn't charge me against my minutes. I said, no, it doesn't work that way. And then I was uh, producing a show. We were at the Super Bowl um, in New Orleans, and he was the Pro Football Writers Association uh, president. And he, he would do a, a weekly hit on, uh, I think it was 1360 or 910 with Tony Firmino and Larry Gatos. And that was the best it was radio gold when he Shoney would come on because he had no idea what Tony was going to ask him. And Gatos would play that. What a joke stuff. And I remember being at the Super Bowl and Shoney went to happy hour a little bit earlier and we were still on the air air. And Tony says, so what do you, what do you really do for the commissioner? And he says, I bring them the B I T word. And he was basically saying, you know, I bring them all the, the, the nonsense to the commissioner and Tony just lost it. And Typical Shoney goes, what did I say? <laughs> you should have said I bring the complaints to the to the commissioner, not the other word. Of course, he was having a little happy hour. So, 
bless his heart and bless Lloyd Herbert because his son, he always checks in with Ken every year and he wants to know who the MVP is going to be. And so it's, it's great that they continue uh, to remember the guys that actually were here when the team moved here. Couldn't have made this any more of a better show than ending it on that notes as far as those memories. I appreciate you sharing that, MJ, here on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Quick programming notes. It is a short week here, obviously, New Year's Day holiday. The Arizona Cardinals, though, are going to continue to practice throughout the week, but our final show will be tomorrow that means Mike Jarecki has homework tonight because we need three keys for a victory plus the always popular X factor going into week 17, but more on that tomorrow. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.